Every week, we do a Q&A with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community to find how they persevered, how they innovated, how they built communities, and how they found solutions. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast. Welcome to the Name Tags Chat Podcast, where we talk with interesting and accomplished members of the adaptive community. Today, we have an old friend, Ian Rice. Back when I knew him, he was a wheelchair racer. Now he is a professor of kinesiology at the University of Illinois. Ian, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you, Chris. It's been a, it's been a while, probably 2004-ish, maybe. I would guess it's been since 2004. Yeah. I mean, you didn't have kids back then. No, no. You weren't a professor back then. No. Yeah. no. I was a wild man, yeah. You were a wild man? Really? Is that the... <laughs> nah, maybe. Not, you know. Yeah, wild-ish, 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 wilder than you are now. Yeah. yeah. I can't stay up past nine o'clock at night now. So, you know, mm-hmm. I was much wilder then than mm-hmm. I am now. Yeah. Did you ever think that you'd spend your whole, your, your, the rest of your life at the University of Illinois? I mean, you started at like 17, 18, right? As a freshman. Right, right. Yeah, completely kind of a full circle experience. It, it, it wasn't premeditated. I, I never would have imagined coming back to the place where I sort of became a wheelchair user, you know, nothing against the place, but yeah, never thought I would end up uh, working here for, it's been almost 12 years now. You've been working, you've uh... How about you? What you started there I as did. a gymnast, right? right. Scholarship yeah. gymnast. First, first day of training. Is that what happened? Not the first day, but the first semester of. Uh, so early into the first semester is when I was injured. Yeah, but I was I was a gymnast. I was obsessed with gymnastics for years and years. That was my obsession and passion. And was injured in a gymnastics crash um at U of I yeah what did you what did you end up doing how did it work yeah so um I was just at a practice I think it was a Sunday practice on high bar over a pit um you know pit is you know foam cubes that allow you to kind of land sloppy and in theory right not 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 for me that day um I was on high bar doing a release move where you you know you release flip twist re-grab and I kind of just got a little bit lost in the air and then landed over-rotated and landed not directly on my head, but just past my head and kind of caused some neck flexion there and, and dislocated my, uh, my vertebrae. And that was it. It was instant. It was instant. Did you know instantly as well? Or I did. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah. Horrifying. <laughs> I mean, you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's almost like you're drowning in this pit. Exactly. Exactly. And and, you know, after I kind of communicated that something seriously bad was up, they can't just move you quickly. So, you know, um, I had to wait for the paramedics and to get you out properly on a backboard. And so, yeah, it was wild. And it, this is stuff I haven't talked about or thought about in years. So it's, it's weird. I'm not going to break down in front of you right now, Chris, but it was, you know. You it's good. Yeah, it's, it's good. I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, stuff I haven't thought about in years and years, but yeah, it was it was a wild experience, wild and crazy. Was high bar your event or what were you? I was an all-around gymnast. I did every event. High bar was one I liked. You know, I was good at it. Um, uh, it was just kind of a crazy, fluky accident. No more, no less, I think. that Which is often the way that these things happen. Yeah, yeah. But then yeah. strange that you ended up you know, breaking your neck yeah, yeah. at one of the best places in the country. 
right. a competitive wheelchair athlete at the University of Illinois. Right. Did you know anything about the wheelchair team? I had no idea. Had no idea. Had no idea there was a wheelchair athletics program. Although there, I had one incident where I remember eating in one of the cafeterias with other gymnasts and one of the gymnasts was friends with this girl named Jana Stump. Do you remember her? She was a basketball. Okay. I didn't know a lot of the basketball players. Yeah. I, so that was my only encounter with a wheelchair user in my time at U of I before my injury. <laughs> so I had no idea they had this world-class program. And this is 93-ish. So this is Hollenbeck's, Briggs, this is Iniguez, this is Gene Driscoll. It's the whole gang was there, right, you know, at that moment. I had no idea. I had no Top idea. people in the world, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was later when I was in re rehabilitation, I went to rehab in uh, St. Louis and um, they had a wheelchair athletic team that would come and do like wor roller workouts. Okay. Um, and that was my first, that was my introduction. The first time I had ever seen wheelchair sport in any form and in, in any way. And it made an impression on me. Um, How quickly, cause I didn't see any of that in the hospital. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think it was a unique thing. You know, it was um, this rehab center was very, they were very dialed in, connected to adapted sports, which was great for me. My, I think one of my, um, my OTs, uh, you know, um, brought me to a wheel to watch a wheelchair basketball practice when I was, you know, I shouldn't have even been out of the hospital. I was so newly injured, right? They shouldn't have, it was pretty ugly. Um, but I remember after, uh, after hours at the rehab center, um, the, uh, these athletes would, would work out. And I, I remember, you know, there's nothing to do after hours at a rehab center. And so you're bored. So that, that, that was something I was interested in, but I remember in who I saw on a dynamometer pushing a racing chair at 22, 23 miles an hour was Don Dowling. Remember okay. Don Dowling, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, I, I think a lot of, of, of newly injured people when they're first exposed to wheelchair sports, they, they think it's patronizing. I think it's, you know, the whole, the whole spiel. I did not have that impression. When I saw Don, I immediately saw the beauty and the kind of the, you know, the racing motion, someone who's really competent at it, you know, with um, pounding away at the hand rim. And I immediately thought, whoa, kind of cool, kind of cool. And it, it, it was a spark. It was a spark. What's that transition like from gymnastics yeah. in a wheelchair? Yeah wheelchair sports because i mean gymnasts are so strong it's it's yeah. you're, you're using your body weight against you effectively yeah I'm trying to figure out how to use it well yeah yeah it you know it was you know it, it certainly helped me it it, it helped the real rehabilitation process and and i remember you know going back um to u of i and meeting all the wheelchair athletes and meeting marty morse and um you know it 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 was a transition, but it wasn't the smoothest transition in the world. You know, the way wheelchair athletes use their, their musculature is, is different. It's a bit different, you know, and, and, and that difference and that those intricacies very much shaped kind of my, my research passions, you know, um, it, it, it all kind of, um, it all fits, you know, it all fits together into what I do now and what, what's informed what I do now, which I'm sure we'll get to, but, um, yeah, that transition was, you know, starting to build up, you know, the posterior muscle groups, your, your back, right? And, and, and pulling yourself backwards and getting strong that way. 
Um, but you know, I, I became a, I was pretty, um, I became a pretty good wheelchair racer relatively quickly, but not, you know, it didn't happen immediately. It took a lot of work, um, but I certainly had the people around me to, to, you know, to help. Well, it wasn't just wheelchair racing though, too, right? That's a yeah. big campus. And yeah. you came out of, out of the rehab, out of the spinal cord rehabilitation. And yeah. then you had to get around the university of Illinois. Like, yeah. That's a workout, just getting to class, getting to your dorm, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Now I remember, yeah, like you said, I mean, if there's one place to be injured at kind of that age, it would be U of I. I mean, where else could you have a roommate who has, who's the same age as you, who has exactly the same level of injury as you, who's relatively been, who's been injured, you know, the same time as you, that happened, right? You know, and then you've got these veterans. And so it, it was an amazing amazing way to be socialized to disability, but also it's insulated, right? You, you but it, it's insulated in a good way, right? You see these extraordinary people, extraordinary athletes, and it does insulate you from the state of disability in this country, you know, which is again, another thing that I, you know, you know, not everybody does wheel, marathons. Not everybody is you know, can, you know, weighs 130 pounds and can bench press 300 pounds, you know, not, you know, so these kind of crazy expectations and, and unbelievable role models, you know, um, but it wasn't until later on that when I went back to St. Louis for OT school that I really started to experience disability in, 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 in more of a realistic sense. And, and I got to see that, you know, folks with disabilities in this country, by and large, not doing so well. Right for a host of reasons, which also shaped and and my research focus and, and my passions now. Yeah, because you effectively came out of the hospital, came out of rehab, and then had to basically like pick it up. I mean, how did how did the making the decision to join wheelchair sports happen? I mean, you saw some of these guys, you met some of these guys, but was that a proactive decision on your part? Was that Marty? coming Marty, who was the coach coming to you and saying, Hey, I heard about this and we have yeah. this option. I, from what I remember, I mean, you know, it was that initial encounter with seeing Don Dowling and being impressed by that. And really it, it gave me a goal and a drive and I want to do that. And, you know, having, um, being excited about something with a new disability, that, that, that's a pretty um, powerful, a, a powerful tool um, because, typically at newly injured, you're not excited. You're not, ex you're not looking forward to the adventure. Right. So, or the you know, physical part, right. I mean, yeah. It, and, and I, you know, yeah, I was a gymnast, but I was in bad shape. I mean, I, it was tough to navigate the campus and I probably went back to school way too fast. You know, I, that I remember at the time people thinking, Whoa, you're already back. And they were probably right. You know, I probably shouldn't have been back, but in retrospect, I'm glad I did it. I'm glad um, I continued doing the things that I should have been doing at the age of 19, you know, um, there were a lot of twists and turns and a lot of infections and a lot of, uh, you know, all this, all the stuff. Right. But, um, it, it all worked out and I'm, I'm glad I did it, but it was, it was tough. Yeah. You're forced to, I, I was in, in the hospital for two months and then went back to college. So it was probably yeah, similar kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. The same kind of time frame. And then you learn a lot really quickly because you have to. You like have to. You're still yeah. in the hospital. 
it would be, oh, well, okay, I tried this today. And he's like, no, I've got to get to class. Like, I have yeah. to figure out how to make this thing work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you learn, and, and the social part for me was a huge part, just sort of yeah. leaving the hospital. It sounds like you had a good situation. I had a great nurse. Yeah. I didn't really have any peers. Yeah. At the yeah. hospital, I had one roommate who was really a peer, but otherwise I was like, there's nobody who's really sort of like me or on a similar kind of path. Yeah. And then you go back to college and people, you're getting around differently, yeah. but it's people on a similar path. Did yeah. you know you're a professor now? Your parents are professors too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so did you know when you started college that that's where you, what you wanted to do, that you wanted to be a professor? Not at all. No, I, you know, I, my OT made such an impression on me. That's what I was focused on was occupational therapy. And that's what I eventually uh, I did. And while I was in OT school, I, I, you have different rotations, different field works to learn what, you know, what type of therapy um, you might like to practice in. And, and I did an optional one that was in research with a research focus. And I loved it. You know, I loved, um, the, the idea of being able to um, conduct research that, that impacts the way that therapy is practiced um, and presented was appealing to me. And also that, you know, as an athlete, I was interested in movement efficiency. And that was something that I was always interested in, right? What, what, is it, what is it about the way that a person interacts with their wheelchair that makes them fast or not so fast or efficient? What is it, you know, body positioning? the human user interface, right? All of these things were, were super interesting to me, but to really understand them, it's just physics, right? And I needed to, to learn more physics and biomechanics and unfortunately, and so that, that was, you know, I realized, you know, the next step would be a PhD and it would be a, with a biomechanical or bioengineering focus. And, and that's what you know, I, we, we were, while I was in that internship, we were working with the University of Pittsburgh and that helped kind of Rory see, Cooper. Rory Cooper. Yep. Okay. Rory Cooper. And um, he was, he was, you know, I, I just submitted a huge grant with, with Rory just a, a, a month ago. Uh, I thought I was, it, I thought I was going to die. It was such a, a, a crazy process. Arduous process. And Rory also was a wheelchair racer. Yes. Too. Yes. And so yeah. common interest, but then went into research and yeah. you kept saying that, that, your transition from the hospital back to school was informing your research. Did yeah. that start immediately or did this start after you graduate? Because you got a bunch of this as yeah. an athlete too. Yeah, yeah. You know, there were so many different life steps that have kind of informed what I'm doing now. I think, you know, my time at U of I and even a little bit after was was very focused on sports, very, very focused on, on racing. Um, it wasn't until I started working out in the community in an OT capacity, looking at how people with disabilities participate, and more specifically, barriers to, to participation and physical activity, right? What are these things that are keeping people with disabilities from being active and having good quality of life? So those things kind of, I learned more, more about sort of um, just everyday living um, after University of Illinois. Um, and then Pittsburgh kind of 
bringing it all together and just you know learning the learning the craft of research learning statistics and physics and biomechanics and the tools that you need to be able to to examine those things more deeply so what kind of stuff specifically are you looking at like how people yeah. participate but yeah. what are what are the barriers is it a strength barrier is it a mobility is it a social barrier yeah all of the above and more right it's a complex um it you know I think wh where I started was with wheelchair propulsion biomechanics, right? So um, how the wheelchair fits your body. Um, I think my dissertation was um, teaching people how to propel with good technique using real-time feedback. So having these instrumented wheels that, that measure the forces that you apply to the hand ring and then streaming those variables back to a person in real time. Um, but I, you know, as I learned, it's, it's more than just training, it's how the, the chair, you know, you can set up a, a chair, a great wheelchair to fit a person horribly with an Allen wrench in five minutes, right? You can move the rear axle back five inches and, and devastate them, right? So it's, it's, it's about the fit and, and the technique. Um, so, you know, done a lot of research in that, in that arena in training, technique, skill, um, and then fit as well. And then also exploring things like transfers, right? So trying to, to keep um, wheelchair users' upper limbs healthy, right? Because the upper limb injuries, when you rely on your upper limbs for everything, it's not a big surprise, devast total devastation, right? And what you see from the literature is that um, shoulder repair surgeries don't tend to not, they don't go so well, right? You know, best case scenario, you're, you, you can't use your upper limbs for months and months which is a, a, a non-starter for many people right off the bat, but um, prevention is key. So preventing upper limb injury was, it, it still is a huge um, emphasis of, of my research and, and my interests. And you picked that up as an athlete as well, because Marty was, Marty, your coach. Absolutely. Component of, of, you know, what it was like two pulling exercises for each pushing exercise. And there you go. Yeah. Yeah. And that stability and, yeah, I mean, Marty was a you know a, a true science a true scientist in terms of his um, his plan for his athletes and creating well balanced athletes both physically and and psychologically, right? So, um, yeah, all of these these lessons were you know kind of fed my you know my my my, my later pursuits in research and also teaching as well. Of teaching as well. So you started teaching in the interim. So um, that was part of the deal, right? When you're a professor, I do research, service, and teaching, right? So I teach biomechanics classes, I teach disability studies classes, and then I train PhD students. And actually, kind of an interesting story. It's it, this. This is crazy. It's kind of like the inverse of my story. So. Um, I, I always kept close ties with the gymnastics program at University of Illinois. And I was talking to their um, head coach. His name is Justin Spring. He's an Olympian. Um, and he's like, I've got this athlete. He's, he's an amazing athlete. He's kind of at the end of his career, really smart kid, just not sure what he wants to do. I talked to this kid and he was asking me all these questions about how to examine the biomechanics of gymnasts. And I thought, boy, he, he, would, you know, he would be a great graduate student. And I pulled him away from gymnastics. And now this former world, really world-class gymnast is obsessed with wheelchair racing, 
And he's been working with Adam Bleakney for the past three, four, four years. And actually he's going to defend his PhD in a couple of days now. Um, and he should have a PhD knock on wood in a couple of days, but he, he's obsessed with wheelchair racing. He's been working with a team. His, he just, his, his um, research has been examining high intensity interval training for upper limb athletes, right? Getting more bang from your buck. Um, Cause if you look at the physical activity guidelines for, for wheelchair users, it's, it's largely based on lower limb activity, right? So right off the bat, we're at a disadvantage. And so whatever dose of exercise is being sort of um, recommended is not enough. It's not enough, right? So um, finding more efficient ways to accumulate or stimulate the cardiovascular system with the upper limbs, that's been his pursuit. And it's been a pleasure. He's, he's been a great student. So that's great. being able to train, you know, train future research is, 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 is amazing as well. It's a, it's a, it's a privilege, you know. No, I'd imagine it's a huge privilege. And obviously he didn't have to break his neck. Right, right. Yeah. So it's not the full inverse, right? Yeah. <laughs> that would have complete. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Oh no, we don't want to do that. We but... don't need to do that. Yeah. Wow. So that's really cool. That's cool to see. And it's cool, you know, because it's funny when you look back on it and think for you, yeah, you didn't really know that the wheelchair racing the the basketball you did the quad rugby you didn't know that any of that was really going on not at all it was right under my nose i had no idea i had no idea yeah and then and then now you're sort of able to introduce somebody to which has become really scientific i mean under marty it was scientific under adam it has continued to grow in sort of the science of how to train the athletes yeah. it, it's, it's amazing what the athletes are doing just in terms of speed in terms of times yeah. it blows yeah. me away yeah, me too. I, you know, I follow it and I've had a chance to, to publish and do research with Adam Bleakney. We just wrote a huge grant together. Um, it's been great. We actually did a study looking at the difference between the solid racing gloves versus old school harness gloves and measuring the force differences between the gloves. We published a paper um, a number three or four years back, but so, you know, I've, 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 tried to stay close to my adapted root sports, but then, you know, examining kind of the broader population of just uh, wheelchair users and, and, and folks with other types of dis kind of mobility related disabilities as well. And with the, with the research that you're doing, it's really specifically to everyday chairs. It's easy enough for us to be talking about racing wheelchairs, but it's for everyday chairs that you're doing your research. Yeah, right? mostly, but you know, th and that was something that was kind of a, a harsh lesson to me early on is that <clears throat> to get research dollars, you know, you have to, you have to pitch a study that's generalizable, that has maximum impact, right? And as much as we love adapted sport and we know how beneficial adapted sport is to, to persons with disabilities, when you look, when you compare that population to people affected by cancer, people affected by fill in the blank, right? It's just not, the impact is not there. But in recent years, the government, the NIH has started to recognize the importance of adapted sport in keeping people with disabilities physically active, the, the importance of that. Um, yeah, I mean, the, 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 how it's applicable, the, the wheelchair racing, I mean, in, in some ways it's kind of like, you're looking at like a Formula One kind of thing. Yeah. 
where this is at the top, but I would imagine, I think that this is where you were going was, was the activity, the, the remaining active. And I think is oh, that a challenge for a lot of people with disabilities is remaining active. And it is, it is. And, and so what I think where, where I was headed was that now the government is putting up real money, real research dollars for adapted sport and to, to examine the facilitators and barriers to physical activity among um, you know, people with disabilities, people with mobility limitations. Um, and there's, you know, there's the kind of the mechanical adapted sport side of it, but there's also examining barriers, the social barriers, stigma, lack of training, lack of resources, the fact that equipment's expensive, right? How do we, how do we bridge those things, you know? And, and so there are people with varying levels, you know, with different levels of expertise tackling these problems. And I, you know, I have my small little part of it and it's been great, but, but the fact that now I can study, actually write a grant about an adapted sport is, is, is a lot of fun. And it, it kind of brings, brings me back. Whereas before I had to kind of stay on the, on the, on the periphery a little bit. The full universal kind of usage. To what do you attribute that shift? The shift that, that you know, wheelchair sport, adaptive sport is something that is, that is worthy of grants, that's worthy of, of interest and, uh, and application for other parts of the population. Yeah, great question. You know what it is? It's the economics. The, there have been a few great studies that have shown that people who are physically active, who participate in sport with disabilities, are far more likely to be employed, far more likely to live above poverty level, you know, and, and the, the benefits go on and on, you know, the health benefits, the psychosocial benefits, the psychological benefits, right? These have been demonstrated and very powerful, right? I mean, I, you know, I'm not the first to say this, this is a common line, like in my field, but if, you know, if, if, if physical activity and sport were a medication, they would, that would be the most powerful drug that we have for, for health, right? And it's, it's true in, in able-bodied folks and in, I think even more pronounced in people with disabilities. Because uh, you and I both, we've been in the, in the game for a long time and we have friends who are wheelchair users who have drifted from sport and who have not stayed physically active and time is not friendly to our bodies if we do not stay active. I mean, Unfortunately, it, I understand that all too well. We, we all do. And it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. Oh, I've been back in the gym just in the last month and a half. And it is yeah. one of those, like, I'm trying to, I'm trying to work up to where I used to warm up. Yeah. Yeah. It's insane. It's insane. <laughs> it's crazy how quickly it happens and how, how much it affects our lives. Right. Because that affects getting into bed, getting into the shower, getting into the, into the car. If you have to get off the floor. Yeah. 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 It, everything, everything. It, it really does. I mean, it is, it is amazing. What's amazing to me is that those studies have, I mean, have demonstrated a, a real, a real benefit. Yeah. It's also, it's, it's usually, it's often really hard to go to the root of the problem, right? So physical activity is really at that root of the problem where it's going to, you know, I remember getting my first wheelchair made yeah. and it was a 16 inch wide wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. 
And now I'm in a 14 inch wide wheelchair. And I think there was a bit of a thought of like, well, you'll grow into it. Yeah. Yeah. Which right. is not a great thought, right? It's not, it's not a great thought. It, you know, pushing a chair that's too wide for you can devastate your shoulders, right? The mechanics of a chair that that's too heavy and too wide and not fit appropriately is devastating. And, you know, the, the other problem with the wheelchair, kind of the, 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 the wheelchair industry is that people don't pay for wheelchairs out of pocket, right? Health insurance does, right? And so you find manufacturers are put in this position where they're forced to design not for what's optimal, not using carb, you know, the, the best materials, but for what insurance will pay for, right? And so you, you, don't, you don't see progress the same way that you'd see progress in bicycle frames, right? You know, our wheelchairs do not look like the latest, you know, Trek or whatever, you know, and they should, they should, but they don't. Well, especially when you're pulling that into your car, right? So yeah. pounds here or there in, in a, you know, not completely balanced, not a strong position. Yeah. Your shoulder is just completely exposed. And obviously our shoulders are our lives. Yeah. Know? Tell yeah. people, yeah, yeah. My shoulder hurts. I just go around in circles and they're like, what? Oh, oh you're just going around. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, no, we don't want to do that. It's not. No, no, no. Yeah. It's, you know, it's just, it's the, the typical thing, you know, the people who could benefit the most from technology and training and aren't, don't, aren't, aren't getting those things, right? People who are older, who use wheelchairs, they're not getting 14 pound wheelchairs. They're getting big clunky hospital-like wheelchairs, right? And, and the same is true of, you know, think about the, the time um, people are, are, are allotted for rehabilitation these days. It's not two months and three months the way it was when you and I were, you know, it's weeks, it's weeks, you know? And I don't know about you, but I didn't know much when yeah. I left after two months. Yeah. Yeah. I, the same, same for me. You know, it was like you said, the real learning starts once you leave and you have to have the courage to put yourself out there and, and put yourself in tricky tricky situations, tricky environments. And social environments. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, the, it's the worst, your worst nightmare. I mean, it's the kind of like, you know, the, the nightmare that you have that you show up in front of a crowd naked kind of thing. And you're like, absolutely. Yeah. You know, which is, which is sort of what you're doing. I mean, not, not exactly though. Yeah. You know, those times that you're like, are, are my pants up or my pants not up uh, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's funny, yeah. The dignity, the uh, you know, you're you're reduced in some ways to being a little kid. Yeah, uh, in many ways, yeah, yeah, and yeah. You you look at people who quote unquote who who have given up, or you know, but what that really looks like in practice is it's just someone who doesn't do anything, right? And they don't evolve, and they don't progress, and they don't they don't develop new exciting memories as a person with a disability. They cling to the old ones. And um, they're just not able to evolve and not able to find happiness, you know? And the only way to do that is to live and to put yourself out there. It's an, how much does this apply to the general population? I did a, a presentation at the UN at one point, it was on chronic disease. Yeah. And, and I opened with, I don't have the luxury of getting out of shape. Yeah. Because I really don't. 
No. How much does that apply to the general population? Because it's all strength to weight, right? I mean, it's this ratio. Yeah. Ours is more specific, more acute in some ways, right? Yeah. But yeah, well, I think you know, I think it you know it, it is a it is a function of of strength to weight ratio and 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 maintaining that balance, but um you you just see folks becoming sedentary and when when you become that happens in general right that happens I mean, in general yeah as we get older we get more sedentary really yeah and what happens is so it becomes this vicious cycle where you become sedentary and when you're sedentary certain you know you develop certain metabolic changes happen right which make it makes it harder to become to break that sedentary behavior right so it's just this you have the so many factors or or so many barriers that are, are put in front of you um, when you're when you're when you lose strength to weight ratio when you gain weight um, it it creates problems with pain and when you have pain you don't want to be active so it's prevention is so important in changing um, you know, changing those behaviors quickly, as quickly as possible, and then maintaining them, like you suggest, is, is so important, because it's so difficult to, to go back, you know, it's so difficult. It's, it's incredibly difficult. Do you have, I mean, study-wise, you're on the academic, academic yeah. side, right? Yeah. So in terms of breaking through, because if, if you haven't been working out, if you haven't been active, yeah, start doing it, and you think, you know, that first day you get a bit of that rush and go, I mean, so I, I went back to the gym. I, I probably have not been in the gym in like yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. <laughs> and I've been riding my bike. I've been, I've been in my racing chair, you know, I've done, you know, a few marathons and things like that. So I've done enough to sort of be something. Yeah. But I went back to the gym and I checked in and going through going, you know, so then I have to get to the elevator to go up to where the actual gym is. Yeah. And I'm thinking about, getting onto, onto benches. Yeah. Transferring back and forth. Yeah. I, I'm thinking about being weak. Yeah. About potentially like, you know, missing a transfer, doing something, you know, doing balance wise, doing whatever. And, and, and there was a part of me that was like, I, I should leave. Like yeah. I'm, I'm right. a liability. <laughs> here. I used to this a lot. What, is there any recommendation that you can make to people to make that easier? Well, well, you know, that's, that's part of the, the work we're doing is we're trying to find ways of bringing fitness to people. We're trying to find ways of, of improving technology, lowering the cost of technologies, adaptive sports technologies to get them to people so that they you know, like you said, it's like just to go to your average gym as a wheelchair user, you got to be at the top of your game to be able to sit on some of these tiny benches and, and manage, just manage, right? What, what an able-bodied person just takes for granted, you know? So yeah, we're working, you know, one thing that we're working on and many are working on this are just physical, better physical activity monitors, right? I think the best we have perhaps is maybe the Apple watch, right? But even that, you know, it's not telling, you know, it's not really able to tell you power output, right? Or your, the workload that you're working at or activity intensity, right? Those algorithm, algor, algorithms are all calibrated for able body 
lower body exercise, right? So, you know, the best that we can get right now is maybe a physical activity monitor that can kind of count maybe strokes, but not do that in real time, right? So we're working on a physical activity monitors that can really give you the metrics that, that wheelchair users that are useful to wheelchair users and, and, and can actually tell you physical activity intensity and, and real and accurately provide caloric expenditure and things like that. So those are things that can help, but yeah, I mean, prevention is key and there's not a ton available to, to folks with disabilities right now. Yeah. And, and it is the stigma is the hard part of just not, not knowing, not being armed as well in terms of like your knowledge of, okay, I can get in here and I can do this and I can do that. And yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it, I mean, it's, I don't know, it's been six weeks or something like that for me. Yeah. And, and I'm starting to kind of feel like I know a bit of what I'm doing, but even just like grabbing dumbbells off the rack or, yeah. you know, you do a bench press and maintaining balance, not like dumping the dumping yeah. the weight and clang, clang. And yeah, it's, it, I mean, when you, the first, you go to a gym for the first time, it's gotta be a reconnaissance mission for, you know, for the first week, there's no working out happening. It's okay. Can I use that? Can I use that? No, no way over there, maybe over there, you know, it's, you got to build up you got to build up and you know there's there's just there's barriers there's 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 many barriers and the literature on the barriers is is fruitful there you know there's we you know researchers have highlighted the barriers very well but the solutions are a little bit less clear right the solutions are tricky they're not obvious and they're not easy and and they're hard for all the the reasons that, that physical activity is hard for anyone all of that's already there but then there's all of these new unique things to, to persons with disabilities that, that we just have to find ways, clever ways of overcoming, clever and efficient ways of overcoming. And there are things coming, but you know, it's not easy. It's not a capable. Well, this is some job security for you. There you go. There you go. Right. Yeah. So how did this, how did the, the professor thing happen? I mean, so, so obviously, so, so you said you went to OT school. Yeah. And then when did you decide that this is it? I'm going to my PhD. And yeah, it was in OT school doing some research in OT school. We were working on a protocol for wheelchair propulsion. We were looking at um, how, you know, oh gosh, what was the study? It was so many years ago now. Um, it was looking at how, um, how the wheelchair impacts the daily lives of users and what aspects of the wheelchair were most impactful to people being happy, um, having good quality of life. And I think I remember the study was found that, you know, um, the, it was an interesting finding. The wheelchair was two things simultaneously. The most important thing to, to keeping someone active and happy and most important, and the key thing that was sort of debilitating, right? So it was, so the, the interpretation there was that any wheelchair won't do. It's got to fit the person. It's got to match their needs, you know? And, and these are things that all wheelchair users know intuitively, right? And it's taken time for the literature to kind of catch up. And I think that was another thing that I kind of, I, 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 I failed to mention is that all of these things that you and I kind of know intuitively from our years in adapted sport um, are not so intuitive in, in the literature or they've become more intuitive, um, but, 
you know, you, you need sort of empirical evidence to, to demonstrate some of these things that, that adapted sport and physical activity are worthwhile for the government to spend money on. It's worthwhile for the government to, to create grassroots programs that get kids early, you know, and develop healthy trajectories early on. So, so craziness, this is an amazing transition to you into two six-year-old twins. Yeah, 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 right. So yeah, there, there's, there's, right. So that's the next phase, right, is, is parenting kids with, with a, you know, having a disability and, you know, others have, have spoken more eloquently than I could ever speak about this, but, you know, it, you know, having a kid just, it unlocks things that you didn't know were inside of you and, um, and humbles you in ways you never thought, you know, um, I remember I was obsessed early on with finding a good way of carrying my, these two little kids. Oh. And, I, and I remember I made my way to a pet store and I found like this dog holder, you know, and I finally, I thought I got it calibrated and worked out just right. And by the time I got it all figured out, they were too big to fit in then anyway, you know? So we have this huge dog mat now that they use when they build forts, but that was my, uh, yeah, that was crazy, but yeah, just, lots of fun experiences with the kids and, but it, it's amazing how, um, how comfortable they are with it and, and just how they, you know, I, I don't hug a kid the way that someone's standing up with that, you know, they jump right on my lap, right. They, they interact with me and, you know, lots of wheelchair users or parents know that and have experienced that and their kids um, also just become really intuitive and very sensitive to, to the environment and what's accessible and what's not, what impacts daddy and what doesn't and what's fair and what's not fair. And, you know, they become real experts very early on, you know, and, and, and amazing advocates as well. I would imagine, I mean, there have to be a couple of, I see it with my dog sometimes, right? Where yeah. she is on the grassy embankment six feet away from me. Yeah. I'm like, come. And she's like, no, I'm eating grass. I am not even going to acknowledge that you're there. And I so just want to like, you know, grab a pebble and at least like get her attention. Kind yeah, of. yeah. And I imagine kids can do that exact same thing that they are just out of reach. And, and it's got to be, this has to be the lesson, a far greater lesson in having a child. Yeah, yeah. Than, than anything, than anyone else's. If they want to get away from me and they're messing with me, actually, you can probably see it. See those stairs right there, that landing up there? See the stairs, yeah. That is a safe space from daddy right there, right there, right there. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask if you were still at the office or if you were actually at home. And I'm at home right now, yeah. They're, they'll be home any, any pretty, you know, 10 minutes-ish, so you might you might see the, the wild men themselves, but uh, we'll see. Which is just because it's also one of the things that that has to be the hardest thing to think about is just like initially picking them up. I mean, now they're old enough they can jump in your lap. Yeah, I always thought like you take a take a gallon of milk or something like that and put a put a handle on the back of the kid so you could grab on to the exactly. that was brutal. Yeah, I I loved when they had like overalls. I could kind of hook my hand in the overalls and you know my wife was watching me do it like, um, but. Yeah, that was that was tricky, but boy, they they grow so quickly that once you have a system and you've got it, you think you've got things worked out, everything changes. But uh, you also have a now, bit of a cool factor. I mean, like you you were an athlete, 
you know, this kind of stuff. Like you've got a cool looking chair. It's yeah. you know, which, which helps, right? Yeah, I mean, it's absolutely. oftentimes the bond yeah. is through the equipment. Like, oh, check it out. Yeah. You got like a, you got like a shock on that. That is so cool or. Yeah, yeah, that's absolutely true. And that's why I want, I need to stay fit as long as possible. So like, so I'm not too over the hill by the time they're game for riding 20 miles on a bike or, th- you know, I want to be able to do that. So that's my motivation, you know, for to stay super fit or as fit I as think I can. You should. No, the bike is the bike is the place where I've had some of the funniest interactions. I've, yeah. I've kids literally point and laugh at me. Yeah. Uh, you know, cause you're lying down, you're in this sort of street bougie looking thing. Yeah. You're low. You're low. Yeah. Yeah. You you're thinking hard. Utah though. They're a little bit savvier probably than this i think was in new york actually i think yeah, I had like yeah. three times in new york where kids just literally just point at me and laugh and i'm like hmm, it's not exactly what i was going for what i was looking for yeah 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 that's funny yeah yeah it's yeah what do you see in in trends i'll get you out on this question yeah in trends like where, where is it going where's your research going what questions do you have to answer yeah i'm just trying to um Right now, trying to improve um, exercise protocols, upper limb exercise protocols. Like what is optimal? What is What gives you the biggest bang for your buck? What stimulates your cardiovascular system the, the most with as little work as possible, right? So like when you're doing high intensity interval training and you're, you're working really hard and then you're, then you're not working, you're working really hard and then you're not working. When you're not working, your body actually still is working and it still is burning calories. So exploring those, the, the optimal timing and dosing of, of, of exercise is kind of what I'm, what I'm interested in, in right now. And, and then also the, 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 the bigger questions, the bigger picture of, of, of bringing physical activity to more people. Um, you know, you're not gonna be able to mail $2,000 hand cycles to thousands of people across the country, but maybe there are other ways of getting equipment, less expensive equipment to people and, and other ways of motivating people. You know, we we work with a group here in computer science, these, these programs that that are like, they're kind of like, e, like apps, but that are based on artificial intelligence that actually they take into consideration a person's demographics, but also their preferences and their disability characteristics and, and, uh, you know, their level of expertise and then suggest activities, but then also how to deal with um, friction to those activities, barriers, you know, so kind of these, a a computer science approach of of helping people to, to be more physically active. So whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a multidisciplinary, a multimodal, thing that that is most effective it's not going to be any one thing that that helps people the most exactly because it doesn't have to be super high tech i mean you're talking about how expensive it can be to get a hand cycle yeah you can get a great workout in your everyday wheelchair absolutely you really can you can yeah you just gotta be smart about it yeah that's i've been doing that the most recently and it's it's been working Working. Oh yeah. No, I had one recently. I did a, uh, I did a speech at the beginning of the month and I, I, I sometimes go and do like my speech as I'm going around, you know, just tooling around in my everyday chair. Yeah. It was a Jackson hole. And I, I started going up the, up the mountain and I got to a point where I was like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it up this thing. Yeah. And then it was also like, Hmm. If I turn around, if I get 
perpendicular yeah to gravity here it's not going to work out well so yeah. i did make it up but it's a uh, yeah you know you can you can get a good solid workout get your heart rate up and so you don't need the high tech stuff you don't no you don't necessarily you don't. Too, but yeah absolutely. absolutely yeah well ian this has been a total pleasure likewise yeah it's back together with you yeah yeah and i'm glad glad you're doing so well tell the kids i'm sorry i missed them but yeah but yeah next time absolutely absolutely i will probably make it out there at some point out to the university i hope so yeah please give me a heads up and yeah yeah, yeah. yeah that'd be good fun that'd be great fun well keep up the great work really thanks appreciate so much, it yeah. thanks, yeah, thanks for, for joining us yeah. thanks for the opportunity much appreciated yeah yeah all right well sounds good thanks a ton uh to all of you thank you for joining us as usual the greatest gift you can give us is to tell your friends tell your friends to tune in tell them this was awesome there'll be another cool guest next week this will be a traditional podcast and please like us please follow us and we will continue to grow it and bring you great great guests so we'll look forward to seeing you next week thanks